0: Teaching, Lord, I love you. Thank you for each person that's here and the way you encourage me through them. Please bless, give grace and favor beyond words. Lord, we love you. In Jesus' name, Amen. All right, let's let's kind of get it focused in. We've covered after today's teaching eight basic concepts that get really get at what the Lord's Supper is about. Today, we're going to focus on the absence of the words of institution in uh, John 13. The words of institution sounds real formal. It means Jesus took a loaf of bread, broke it and said, this is my body. Jesus took a cup and said, this cup is my blood in the new covenant. Those are the words of institution. They're not in John 13. They're not there. Why? That's where we're going to go. We're going to dig into that. So, let's look at it again. I want this to be fresh on your mind. This is this is how Matthew, Mark, and Luke treat the Last Supper, the Last Supper, which is anchored into a Passover holiday, okay? Only Luke says, do this in remembrance of me. He's the only one in the synoptics, okay? All right, now look at, look at this. A little bit of, of uh, scripture to anchor the time frame. So you guys who are historical chronological kind of people. Look at John 12, 1 and 2. It says that how many days? Six days before the Passover. Okay, So the slaughter of the lambs, Nisan 14, Passover itself, Nisan 15, on the calendar. So we're six days before this. That's John 12. And then in John 13... Uh, there's another timestamp. It says now before the feast of the Passover. So, how many days? What's the difference between John 12 and John 13? How many days? What's the difference? Venture a guess? Anybody? I
1: not really
0: say it could be anything. It, it, it could, is it like five days? Is it four? So, the only thing that we have, Joe, that helps us is John 18. It's the only thing we have, Patch. After these words, Jesus left with his disciples to cross the Kidron Valley, headed to the Garden of Gethsemane, where Judas would meet him. There'd be a betrayal, the kiss, and the thugs with torches, their version of a police force, will come for the arrest. He'll be he'll be handcuffed, he'll be chained, and they will take him off in the evening where there will be a series of illegal trials prior to the conviction uh, the conviction and the crucifixion on Friday. All right. So, it pushes, it kind of pushes it right up against Passover. That's all we have. Makes sense? All right. Look closely at this. Why does John's gospel not include a word about Breaking of bread and the drinking of a cup. It's not there. Option number one. The meal described in John 13 takes place prior to the day of preparation for the Passover. And therefore, Jesus had no real reason to mention it. The need for that will be the next night, the next meal. So it's a little bit early. Jesus had no real need to talk about it. Okay, uh, The last supper meal would take place the next day. John 12, etc etc Okay? That's possible. And why is John silent? Next interpretation. John intentionally leaves out the words of institution because the church is ritualizing, materializing, and misusing the Lord's Supper. And John emphasizes that it's the spirit and the words of Jesus that actually give life. That's a pretty big deal. Okay? Were things being abused in John in uh, Corinth? Absolutely. You know John, First uh, uh, Corinthians 10: 11 make it very, very clear that there was abuse of the Lord's Supper. Is it possible there was abuse in other churches? Paul started? Absolutely. Absolutely. So a trend possibly has started, something that was good and healthy and beautiful and simple. Hey, y'all, we're, we're going to the Greenlands. Tonight, and we're going to do the Passover at the Green's House tonight. It's a potluck. Everybody bring your stuff. And it's something that was sacred, morphed into something exclusive, arrogant, and abusive, shaming the poor against the rich, this kind of stuff. So is that why John says nothing about it? He's offering a corrective. He's saying, guys, you're way off track. You think it's about the bread and the wine, don't you? No. No. It's the words. Can anybody quote John 6:63? John 6:63 6, anybody? You got it? Close. It's right after that though, but you're spot on, Andrea. It's the spirit that gives life. The flesh profits nothing. The words that I say to you are spirit and are life. All right, so is, is John offering a corrective? That's option two. Option three this is the first sign of the disciplina arcani. That's Latin, which means the discipline of keeping a secret. That's what this thing's about. The church in the late first century onward felt compelled to keep the sacred words of institution a secret from the heathen and even from new converts. The early Orthodox Catholic Church used scriptures such as Matthew 7, Pearls Before Swine, 1 Corinthians 3, and others to actually argue for that. Now, what do you know about becoming a Catholic? Anybody? You're going to pursue the Catholic or the Orthodox tradition. What do you have to do? Anybody? Young man, I'm so glad you're here and you're free to talk if you want to. Anybody? What do you think? I think you have to go through a big long process. Yes. Yes, and that's called catechism. and You're a catechumen, and that's, that's called catechism. And if you go through all of that, and you're approved, then you take the initial first steps. You've got to go through confession. You've got to go through confirmation. And then after all of that, you're allowed to take the Lord's Supper. Now remember, what is the doctrine of concomitants? Boy, I'm hitting you with some heavy vocab. What's the doctrine of concomitance? Why is it that the Catholic Church does not give you the wine? They only give you the wafer. Because they
2: think that the wine isn't necessary for, as part of the Eucharist, and
0: their excuse is that they don't want to spill it. It's sacred. They don't spill it, it's too sacred and you're a commoner anyway. So, yeah, so this idea is that if he's 100% present in the bread then you don't need the wine. He's already, you got them all, right? So, um, so that's that doctrine, okay? So you, yeah, secrets. By the way, um, does anybody know anything about the Masons? Now, if there's a Mason in the house today, I don't know it, all right? So, and I know, I know little to nothing about Masonry, but are they a secretive organization? A little bit of a nod? A little bit, yeah? No, I was... I was a oh, Bruce, I knew it. I was in D. Okay. <laughs> I was a junior. Master. You're a junior, I see. So... Yeah, I yeah, and does anybody know why the Jehovah's Witnesses don't have windows? All oh, these deep religious secrets that nobody knows about. So so this this is a real thing. The discipline, the disciplina arcani. It's real. And, and because we think, you know... You just don't share the deep, deep, sacred things of God with a non-believer. And so did that start to happen? Is that why John uh, says nothing about the Lord's Supper and uh, the words of institution? So is John's gospel written late, Jay, in comparison to the synoptics? Yes. (laughs) The answer is yes. It's very late. Okay, all right. Option four, the teachings of Jesus are more important than the Lord's Supper. Period. The teachings of Jesus are more important than the Lord's Supper. Good answer, Alan. (laughs) Just say Jesus and it works every time. What do you think? The teachings of Jesus are just simply more important. Hmm, Last one. Here's your heavy hitter. John is describing the same meal in Matthew, Mark, Luke, Okay, But he intentionally replaces the words of institution with washing of feet. So John intends to present the washing of feet as a symbolic equivalent to the Lord's Supper. And if you get what the bread and wine are all about, you get what love and service are all about in humility. Okay? In other words... Jesus tells his disciples not to elevate themselves above each other. What do you know about Greco-Roman honor systems? Honor-shame in the Greco-Roman world. And by the way, you got to understand this is also in the Jewish world, not just the, the Roman Roman world. Do high-status people intentionally bow low yeah. with low-status people? Do you do that? Is it socially acceptable to do that? Not at all. In fact, there's only one time, Andrew, you may be aware of this, there's only one time in Roman culture where it's permitted. Does anybody know the holiday? Anybody? It's called Saturnalia. Saturnalia, all right? It's a special Roman holiday of reversals. It's a Roman holiday of absurdity. And so they would allow a low-level servant to put on the robes of a governor or a mayor and sit in a seat of honor and brag and laugh about it. Or a poor man might get wine or something like that. So you had this, this day of reversals where, where high status people would put on the clothes of a poor person or a pers- poor person put on the clothes or the robes of a high status political figure. And it was all quote unquote for laughs. It was all a joke. It was all to make fun and mockery of honor and shame. Saturnalia happened once a year. Okay. Outside of that, you did not cross those boundaries. You don't do that. So if you appreciate what's happening in, in John 13, after the meal, Jesus took a towel, girded himself, and began to wash the disciples' feet. And then when he's done, he says, do you understand what I did for you? Now, in terms of honor and shame and humans that walk the earth, can you think of anybody of a higher status than Jesus Christ? No, not at all. And he didn't do this for mockery and laughs and fun like the Romans would do in the holiday of Saturnalia. He did this because this is how the kingdom of God is effected. It's how, how the prayer, your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven, is made real by the ability to serve. Look at the link up here. This is important. In Luke 22, this is Luke's version after the supper. Remember I mentioned last Sunday the meal, the broken bread, the, the cup of wine, the betrayal by Judas. Judas walks out and the guys are confused going, what, what, who, who's the betrayer? What? Is he gone? He's got the money box. Is he going to get supplies? By the way, which you would do that on Passover. You would do that. So they're all confused. And then all of a sudden an argument breaks out in Jesus' little group of followers. And just and, and just and they start going, hey, Jesus... Um, Who's going to be greatest? Because I think I deserve the chair next to you. My brother's competing for it. And his little group of followers is arguing on who's going to sit in the seat of honor. And this is what it said in Luke. This jockeying for position, the high status, it is not this way for you. We're not supposed to be that way. Pulling rank because of self-glory. Rather, the one who is greatest, and that's mega, megas. The the big person, the great person, the mega person, among you must become like the youngest, and the leader must become like the servant. Does anybody notice anything about the word servant in Greek? I know we've got a couple of Greek buffs here. Anybody catch that word? In the root form of the word, it means to wait at table. Wait at table also known as being a deacon. It's a deacon. Yeah. So if you get what Jesus is all about, the high status person, because somebody that waits at table, do you think there's a link up to the Lord's Supper there? John thirteen sixteen. Truly I say to you, a slave is not greater, megas than his master, nor is one who is sent greater than the one who sent him. Paul writes in First Corinthians 11, What? Do you not know have houses in which to eat and drink? Or do you despise the church of God and shame those who have nothing? How can you high status people who have this amazing amount of food available to you and more wine than you need, in fact, so much wine, you get smashed drunk at the Lord's Supper. You have so much wine. And the higher quality wine too, by the way. He said, how can you do that when the low-status people that walk in the room, uh, in the home, have nothing? What am am I to say to you? Uh, Shall I praise you in this? No. This I do not praise you. Okay. So there you go. There's a summary of the five options. And so here you go. You're the church. Why? In John's gospel are the words of institution... This loaf is my body broken for you. This cup is my blood poured out for you. It's the covenant, the new covenant. Why are the words of institution absent in John's gospel? And by the way, there's a few others, but these are the principal arguments. You're the body of Christ. What do you think? I mean, first, first tell us why, why, we, why do we need to, I mean, like,
3: what, what is, on
0: your part that's important about this that we to figure it out. Okay. First, the the question that leads to that answer is this. Is the Lord's Supper important? Of all the important things in the church, how important is it? Does it rank as the top? Yeah. Yeah. Baptism, well, the gospel, right? Baptism, Lord's Supper, what else would you say? These are the these are the critical structural things that make up the church, the church. Is the Lord's Supper one of those things? We would say yes. Yes, of course. So, all right, if that's true, and it is, then John's silence is a really curious thing. In other words, it really can't be ignored. So that leads to the question why? Why? You already know the answer, I think. At least you already know. If you know me, you know what I think the answer is. So, what do you think? Which interpretation represents the greatest plausibility, theological integrity, and why John is silent? One, two, three, four, five. Knowing John, you have to go with number five. Okay, you're going five. Anybody else? Lots. Okay, so that makes more sense. But yes. Yes, that's, a, that's good. Thank you very, very much. Yes, yeah. Yeah, Serena, so, and John, we, John is so different from Matthew, Mark, and Luke. It's very, very different. Do you find the Beatitudes in, in John's Gospel? No. All kinds of stuff is missing from John's Gospel.
2: So John's Gospel,
0: That's actually one of the arguments I didn't include Patch, which simply says they already knew about it. It was They were all well-educated and there was no need to say it because everybody already knew that, which is true, is true, but I don't think that's the driving reason. That doesn't make sense to me of the text, but it's true. Anybody else on why John is silent? And Stephen, let me know if somebody on that. Charlie, yeah.
2: I think John wanted to equate Service and humility with the Lord's Supper because they, he, he's, he's intentionally highlighting a real example that is tangible for the people in that moment that they can understand washing of feet, like you talked about somebody who is higher reaching to somebody who is lower. Well, he intentionally highlights that instead of the Lord's Supper because it's been talked about almost at not dealing with the others. And he wants to basically put enough emphasis on some. Self- he intentionally pulled that, the Lord's Supper, out to put this in to basically share, share the importance.
0: Yes, I, I, which is five, which is position five. So uh, my glasses are literally something that helped me see. And there's a prescription that the doctor uh, determines. And I get my glasses made and now I see. Okay. If you put the the washing of feet on as a set of lenses and you see the breaking of the bread, the spilling of the blood, it becomes very, very clear that this is a gesture of humility. It's a gesture of service. Does this make sense? Does anybody else have an additional view, perspective, understanding that would bring depth to this? Absolutely. In a different way. Oh, absolutely. No matter what John was thinking. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. By the Holy yeah, yeah. yeah, the Holy Spirit is, is, is really supervising the entire process for all all the Bible, in fact.
3: Well, it almost seems like using five, which I agree with, but it also addresses number two in a
0: way. Because if they were ritualizing it, even though they were, then this pulls the importance
3: to serve, service. Yes. Humility. So it's really, to me, I can't really
0: separate those two. Yes. And even number 4
3: mm-hmm.
0: Yes. Yep. Which John explicitly says in 663. It's the spirit that gives life. And what I say to you is spirit and life. Absolutely. Absolutely. So anybody else on why this matters? Anybody? Okay. Here we go. You ready? Washing someone's feet. Um, just how, how humble of an act is that? His feet are gross. How gross? <laughs> yes. It's like wearing sandals all day gross. It's worse. <laughs> go, go worser.
1: Walk in the yes,
0: they, walk, they Thank you. Walk. Yes. When you're walking about, uh, it is a common practice for animals to defecate and urinate in the same pathways where humans walk. Okay. Uh, what is the practice, practice of waste disposal in your average little house? No, you have a bucket. Uh, nicknamed in our modern country, you know, like the last hundred years, a thunder bucket. And you have a bucket and you use that bucket and you throw it out the window. You throw the waste out the window. All right. So you've got to appreciate when you're walking about on these dirty, these dirt roads, literally how nasty the feet would become. All right. And it's not just the foot. It'll go right up the shin. It is You guys, you've seen sweaty kids running in the summertime, and they've got dirt, they sweat, and the dirt sticks to them, and, you know, you need to flea dip them to get it off kind of thing. So, what's that? Yes, exactly, which is something Peter thought would be the right thing to do during the foot washing, absolutely. So, um, so offensive was this task. That if available, a non-Jew would be hired by Jews to do it at the house. That's how bad it was, right? And so for Jesus, (laughs) how do you describe Jesus? Pure? Holy? Brilliant? Brilliant? The best of the best, magnificent, the day star of the morning, the way, the truth and the life, the lamb that takes the way, the sin of the world, the sinless one. How do you describe Jesus? What's that? Way the waymaker. Yes. Yes. And he made a way for us. That's the good news, right? That he would stoop so low to wash the feet. Of the 12 disciples who were there, and in all likelihood, there were several others as well. Not just the 12. And so this is what the scripture says. Verse 12, John 13. When he had washed their feet and taken his garments and reclined at the table again, he said to them, do you know what I have done for you? You call me teacher and Lord, and you are correct, for so I am. But if I, the Lord and the teacher, washed your feet, you also ought to wash one another's feet. For I gave you an example, so that you also would do just as I did for you. Truly, truly, I say to you, a slave is not greater than his master, nor is one who is sent greater than the one who sent him. If you know these things, you are blessed if you do them. John 15, this is my commandment, that you love one another just as I have loved you. Greater love has no one than this, that a person would lay down his life for his friends. If you you are my friends, if you do what I command you. No longer do I call you slaves, but the slave does not know what his master is doing, but I have called you friends, because all things that I have heard from my father, I have made known to you. There's no disciplina arcani on that one, is there? No keeping secrets, huh? You did not choose me, but I chose you. And appointed you that you would go and bear fruit and that your fruit would remain. So that whatever you ask of the Father in my name, he may give to you. This I command you, that you love one another. Um, there are denomin, denominations, like, for example, free will Baptist. They have that as the third ordinance. You've got baptism, Lord's Supper, and they add the Lord, uh, foot washing to it. Um, so, smart. I've often thought about what is the foot washing of today. Yeah. Need our feet no. But what is something that people need that you Okay, she just asked a critically important question because it's hard to do cultural equivalents from the first century to now. All right, so let's do it. Let's answer her question. She said, what is an equivalent to, for modern-day foot washing? What do people really need from us now? What would you say?
3: Changing divers.: Changing divers.
0: So uh, 37 Bradford Drive, Little Rock 72227. Thank you very much. What's that? Serving others. Practical. Practical. How? In what way? Just
3: find out what they need. Know them. Yeah. And then if you see a need, don't wait till they
0: ask. Yeah. Just be proactive. Got it. Got it. Uh,
3: Patrick, I would just
2: say to expand on that, doing the things that are the garbage of, the serv- uh, of service. Yeah. I mean, it's really easy to essentially virtue signal and do things that are public, you know, giving somebody money or Taking out somebody's garbage, literally taking out somebody's garbage or changing a diaper or doing something that yeah. is considered not only visibly disgusting, but also something that nobody else would think of beyond the person that needs
0: that. Yeah. So, yeah. Let's make it real practical. If I said to you, hi, I'm uh, the directional executive super pastor of Christ okay, And I need help. I need two things. I need a small team to work on our financial future goals, our long-range our short, our, our long and short-range goals, and we need some strategic planning. Volunteers for that position. The other need is I need someone to come at around 8 o'clock on Sunday morning and scrub the urinals and clean the toilets and replace the toilet paper rolls and make sure the refilled soapy thingy is full and the hand towel thingies are put in correctly by the way. They're not backwards, because you know that. And and can you please sweep up and vacuum, please? No the two the two options. Financial planning, short range, long range stuff, really cool. Hey, come on, spreadsheets. How awesome is a spreadsheet? We love them all. <laughs> this calls for a spreadsheet. Yeah. As opposed to you're gonna scrub a urine. Your you're gonna spread 20. So So, yes. if you took
3: a whole thing here today, how many people think feet are gross like somebody over there said? because I think they're trying to be gross. I don't get anybody that's a pedicure on somebody's feet to make them prettier. And then, yes, yeah, Jennifer do anyway, So it just seems to me that even though it's not a cultural thing that I need my feet washed, that it's worth thinking, do I need to wash someone else? Just for the humility of going—that's gross. Because changing diapers is not gross me. You're cleaning the urinal. I do that. I, I can do that. Yeah. But yeah. to wash them to touch somebody else's feet.
0: Yes. That's so good. That's good, but what you just said about love. Yeah. Joe?
1: So John's written late, right? Yes. Close to the end of the first century. Right?
0: It could be that late, but It'd maybe late. late 70s, 80s. The
1: church has already begun to organize this. We're yes. already starting to see organization around the same lines as the Romans organized. Yeah. Like
0: like the church at Corinth is is uh, experiencing dysfunction in the mid-50s. Yes. But to show you how much... Yeah, Joe, you're really on yeah. the So
1: John writing that much time to, to observe what's going on in the church and yes. addressing the specific issues. That being, when the church begins to organize, we start to have hierarchical structures. Yes. We start to have people ordering it over other people. We yes. start to have greater than, less than. Object lesson of the rabbi who, by all rights, had leveled up beyond something like this. Part of the, part of the prestige of being the teacher is that you don't have to do the dirty job to. You are the you're Absolutely. the one that gets the dirty jobs done for you, or to you, or whatever. We are taking what uh, what had become, and and also I think he's addressing some gnostic elements where the knowledge is being built up over the actual. The acts. secret,
0: secret the secrets and things
1: like that. John is disarming both of those things at the same time by a omitting the words. Everybody knew them, as you said, yeah. and it is correct. Then showing here in an object lesson that we are all equal. And in this, uh, Christianity is the most revolutionary thing to ever come down with high, wherein there is no hierarchy. Nobody's better than anybody else, and everybody is good enough. And yes, to show which you is that,
0: absurd in this culture.
1: Yes, absolutely absurd. Really still absurd today if you think about it. We yeah. like to think we're cultured, but not, not so much. To show you this, it's not a matter of, well, we should be washed with each other's feet. That's not the point. The point is that our Supreme Lord and the... Highest uh, master within our belief set stooped down to the ugliest, dirtiest job because it needed to be done. Yeah, That's what this thing's about. Yeah. You, it's not a matter of what he did, it's a matter of why he did what he did. Yeah. This I do for you. Now you go do likewise because later on he's going to say they're going to know you by what? Yeah. Not your knowledge, not your ability to do miracles, by your love. Yes. And that yes. was John's thing. They talk yes. about love all the time. That's all they ever talk about. And before the people begging me to talk about something else, I think.
0: Uh, Joe, John 15, 17. He ties it off again. This is the commandment that you love one another. I think it was Stephen or someone. Someone else had a hand raised. Quick story. I was doing some ministry in Tennessee, and, and I mean in the backwoods, mountains of Tennessee, and I'm not kidding. Basically, you remember this. Rick Red, who was an unusual fellow, was with us, and we uh, were assigned to this, wreck of a situation there was an old man named Edgar Faust long since dead Edgar had no family he had a few teeth on the upper side over here and a few teeth on the bottom side on the opposite and they kind of met at an odd angle he uh, presented as having neurological problems possibly uh, de- prop- dementia and uh, a stroke Okay, had virtually no one Alan, no indoor running water. Okay? When he used the bathroom, once the toilet was filled, he just went right next to it. I'm not kidding you. He would pop open a can of sardines and eat it, throw the can in the kitchen floor. One of the most foul places I have ever been to in my life. Been up in the mountains of El Salvador and I've seen. Livestock among the children in the house. Okay. Seen all that stuff. Edgar Faust, the worst situation I've ever been in. And we brought in a big, a big trailer. wasn't a gooseneck, but it was a big trailer. And we literally used shovels and picks and rakes and cleaned. I don't know how many commercial grade uh, chainsaws and the big, uh, the big bushwhacking uh, weed eater deals and literally mowed the place down so that you can actually see the house. Okay. Uh, People, it was nasty. And the smell was nasty. Do you understand? Can you see it? Okay. Now, I want you all to jump in on this question. Describe the glory of heaven. Glorious. Glorious, yes. What's that? Pristine. Pristine. Opposite the opposite of what I just described keep going how else would you describe heaven the streets of gold, of gold. Shiny, shiny. shiny beautiful rich Rich. Oh. Luxi- colorful by the way in my office uh, a dear dear friend of ours Dr. Marcy McVeigh uh, brought me uh, a chunk of lapis lazuli from Afghanistan when she was finishing her tour of duty over there gorgeous blue and gold it's just unbelievable and can you imagine that's one of the s- stones used in the foundation and, the, and the, the gates to the holy city can you imagine keep going what else is heaven like bright, bright. do they need lights uh, like these kind of lights no, no? Yeah. It's God's can you imagine yeah. the brightness of it all <laughs> anybody God? else what's that God is there, yes? Absolutely. smells
3: good.
0: Uh, what's that? <laughs> it, it smells better? It no. smells good. Yes, it yes, smells good, yes.
3: Pleasant,
0: really. everything. Everything. I mean, it's, it's really kind of indescribable, right? Can you imagine? Yeah. Okay, can you appreciate something? Jenna? He said nobody needs a pedicure.
3: <laughs>
0: <laughs> nobody needs a pedicure in heaven, Exactly. Yes, everything's Justin. fair and just and right. It's amazing. Now, can you imagine that Jesus, when Paul writes in Philippians 2, who was in the form of God, decided to take on the form of a man. What kind of form of man? What does Paul say? What? A servant. A servant. And, how, and he took this idea of service to its even, even a farther point. And became obedient to what? To the point of death. If you think it was trashy to go to Edgar Faust's house in the mountains of Tennessee, that was nothing in comparison to Jesus coming down to earth. Talk about pollution coming down here. Kind of like, you know, little Zay, Zay if, if he comes up to me and says, Daddy Papa, what's heaven like? And I say, well... Go outside and look up. And he does, comes back in, tell me about heaven. So go outside and look up again. And he goes, all I see is stars. Okay. Go through the crawl space and look up under the house. What do you see? Spiders, dust, rough plastic and, and, and spidery stuff and rough timbers. Yeah. When you look at the stars, you're looking at the underside of heaven and it's rough. Can you imagine what it looks like on the other side? Wow. Glorious. Glorious, beyond description, right? So my point is, and you guys are getting at it with me. This, I command you that you love one another. And the embodiment of the idea of loving one another is expressed in this, of taking a loaf of bread, breaking it, and saying, I'm doing this for you dying for you I really can't do anything else that's it that's the ultimate this is my body broken for you this cup the new covenant in my blood which is poured out for many for the forgiveness of sins the scripture says he became a servant even to the point of obedience to the point of death on the cross that is the embodiment of the gospel it's the embodiment of baptism it's the embodiment of the Lord's Supper and when we take that we are entering into this We are receiving service, the act of service. And John is withholding the language to teach us that the idea of service actually is at the core of this whole thing. In other words, can we get real practical? Do you think the heart and spirit pan behind foot washing would fix the mess at Corinth? (laughs) When high status people are shaming low status people? Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. so it is a theological equivalent it's a cultural equivalent it's as you said and others said it's a great leveling so that we are all on the same footing when it comes to the cross patch and wash all of me. Just all. There's something to that language.
2: I'm trying to understand
0: that. Yeah. What Jesus is getting at. Peter, you know, it's amazing. Peter, when he's brilliant, it's like, wow, that dude's a little theologian. And there's other times when he just like, he doesn't see it. Peter thinks it's about a bath, as in washing the animal waste off your feet. Yeah, he's not getting the theological point. So, Stephen? Oh, I
2: was going to say... I don't feel like we, obviously we don't have titles um, where someone is very subservient to someone else or someone's lording over. That's just not part of our culture. We think everybody's pretty much equals. But I think we do kind of have those comparisons by uh, convenience, and like what's convenience for me. So I don't necessarily consider my title as above someone else and so that's their place in culture or in our environment as much as I ignore them because they're inconvenient to mess with. They're, uh, yeah. my, they don't, they're not worth my time. Not necessarily worth titles yeah. or anything, but they're just not worth my time. And so whenever when it comes to things in the church and serving each other, we are so distracted by the things of the world and the things that we want to do. And it's good to think about ourselves. Like, yeah, I don't think I'm better than somebody else, but yet I won't take the time to go and serve someone else. It's not even about the actual act, the act of serving and you're doing that for somebody. It's it's you're actually choosing to deny yourself what's convenient for you and your time to actually go and serve someone else. So when it when it is things like cleaning the church, you know, in, the, in that example that you were giving, anybody has the capability of doing that, and no one is, I think, thinks themselves that that's beneath them because you do it at home, right? We clean, we take care of our homes. It's the fact that you you're not. You're not uh, consciously making the time and the effort to do that, so therefore, it is beneath you. It's because it's not on your radar as a priority. Yeah. Uh, people, yeah. if you have a trouble, if you're not serving and you're having trouble serving or finding a place to serve, you're not making it a priority. You're not putting those people on your radar. Yeah. Versus them having to come to you and make it known to you what they need done, where you can be going to them and asking
0: what can be done. Yeah. That should you're making it a priority, not just something priority. that pops up you know, on your feet, You
2: feet. Know, here it is. Oh, now I'm going to take notice of it. It's yeah. a searching out and going yeah. and finding out what people need because that's truly denying yourself and your time and your resources. Yeah. Going to find the need versus waiting for it
0: to pop up. That is so good. What would you say if there was a counseling situation where I've got a couple in my office and their marriage is literally holding on by a thread and one of the spouses is bawling and the other spouse uh, keeps checking their phone. What do you think, Angela? I think that's awful. My not invested cool. at all. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You're yeah, sometimes uh, this thing right here is far more important than human relationships, Stephen. That's good. So, okay. Uh, one point of practicality. If we could move this idea of foot washing and service and genuine love and move it to our marriages and our parent-child relationships, what would happen? Or what are some practical ways that that would be played out? For moms and dads to wash the feet of the kids, the kids, the parents, etc.? What do you think? Yeah, yeah, humbling. Yeah. What else? Somebody else? Yeah, that's well, good Andrew. yeah absolutely absolutely this is good Andrew thank you because you just spoke on behalf of all of us you know that don't you thank you you really did um okay Alan the, the process that y'all went through in Tennessee
3: with this guy right you know clean in and everything and the humbling of yourself but did it change him
0: no, no, yeah, but we did it anyway. And I think he went to a nursing home not, not too much later. It was bad, it was really bad. So, yeah. Why, why do we need to win? The Human competitive spirit, why do we need to win? What do you think? Why is it so important? Why is it not okay to lose? And I'm talking about the Super Bowl, because, you know, I'm not about like that, but, but in the normal ins and out of life. What? Ego. Ego? Yeah, pride, sure. Accomplice. Accomplishment, yeah. Validation. Validation, yeah, absolutely. A sense of control. So, who said that? And absolutely. And why is control important? Yeah. There's a security in being in control. Absolutely. And the absence of control means risk and danger. And so can't Handle that one,
3: and I love what you said about did it change him? And you said no, no. And I see that in the church a lot, is in general, not lot, yeah, you know, just yeah, the church of all your Christ, where people say, Well, I don't know why you're going to invest in them because they're not going to change. Well, yeah, but it changes you,
0: yeah, yeah, and that's good.
3: Just, it strengthens your relationship with the Lord because the outcome is not to fix that person,
0: yeah that's so good by the way uh, you know you're at the stop sign or the intersection and there's that guy with a little cardboard and you look at him and you're like mm, man he's just working the streets I know what he's probably making four, five, six hundred dollars a day oh I'm not giving him my money you know so can I just plan to see the value is not necessarily that he needs five bucks but you need to prove to yourself that you're willing to give it away and what he does with it is his business or her business. But just, just plain of see. Okay. Yeah, Joe.
1: Treating people this way confers value on them. Yes. For people who don't feel personal value, when you start talking about crossings, it's going to be hard, I yeah. To treat them in such a way that you would serve them yeah. tells them they have value.
0: Yeah, yeah, yeah. And boy, when you treat someone as though they have no worth, you destroy that relationship. Absolutely so. So therefore, the Lord's Supper. Wow, we've, we've learned so much. Um, when, you, when you take the bread and wine, does it become the flesh and blood in your mouth? I don't think so. But if you do, that's fine. The question is, do you love each other? If you're like Andrea Lowry and you're as human as she is, and you are, you know you are. Come on, who are you kidding? You've all messed up as of this morning, let alone what you did yesterday, the day before that. If it's a matter about you being unclean, can we please race to the table? Can it be a race? It's, It's mercy. You need mercy to wash you. You don't clean yourself up before you take his bath. Who are the authorized agents? Who's authorized to introduce the Lord's Supper? The body of Christ is. And John is silent because John believes that we're starting to get off the mark and he pulls us back into what it really means to serve and love one another. So I want to pray and bless you. Abba Father, thank you for grace that goes beyond anything that we could imagine. Thank you for the, uh, the radical love that you took on the form of a bond servant, and you came to earth the most foul place and yet you loved and in what you told us in Ephesians that we have the forgiveness of our sins of our trespasses through your blood and you've moved us from the domain of darkness to the, main, the domain of light the kingdom of light. You told us that in Colossians. God, this is the gospel. This is the story of your grace made real in us. Teach us to make grace real in the hearts of other people by loving, serving, as though we are washing their feet and meeting the practical needs. Thank you for these things. In Jesus' name, amen.